Guys, welcome to Better Bachelor. This is Joker. This is part two of an ongoing discussion I'm having. Are most men really invisible to most women? If you haven't seen the first video, I'm going to leave a little marker right up here in the corner. Please jump on that. Please go watch that first. That's going to set a lot of the ground rule of the discussion we're having. Um, And it's a deep dive into why most men are invisible to most women and uh, hypergamy and the 80-20 rule and um, natural selection etc. So let's let's jump right into right into continuing on the male side of pr- the principle. Way back in the peak hypergamy post, Holland got me thinking about hi- how high <laughs> Way back in the peak hypergamy post, um Hollandhund got me thinking about how the hypergamous aspect of the Pareto principle can become men's primary source of frustration and apathy. Quote, I have to completely overcome all my handicaps to the point where I am better than 80% of the men, at least. I have to have my uh, crap together better than the vast majority of men. I, I'm having a hard time enough just getting to be average. But what I need to do in order to have any kind of sex life and get any of my sexual needs met at all is be better than the vast majority of guys out there. So in other words, you'll end up uh, pushing yourself too hard anyway. But you'll, uh, but you'll do it in the slow way by making sure you'll end up an exhausted wretch with an ulcer, high blood pressure, and similar health problems because that's what you're basically saying here. Rollo says, I tend to think of how men confront the challenge of their performance, uh, performance burden is a parallel to their understanding of the 80-20 rule. On some level of consciousness, men either possess some evolved instinct for it or they develop some learned understanding of their own role in relation to how the 80-20 dynamic applies to them. The wind's picking up again. I think much of what frustrates men about assessing their own SMV in a, in a blue pill mindset comes from the instinctual understanding of the 80-20 rule and reconciling it with what they're being socialized to believe women ought to evaluate them for. Before any game, before any red pill awareness, men's first deductive impression is to classify themselves into a sexual market value, respective leagues, and women who would or wouldn't be sexually ac- accessible according to these leagues. Ironically, even men's blue pill league evaluations fail to account for women's one in five SMV step over evaluation of their own SMV. The equalist agenda teaches men that their leagues should be based on like for like parallel when hypergamy really demands SMV be well above that of women. So what we've got here basically is that, um, like like he says, like the first person up here says, is it's like, do I really need to get into the top 20% of men to have a chance at this game? Is it, and and I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have to push myself incredibly hard to get there. When you look at it as a, as a total sum game, yeah, it can be pretty daunting. It can be pretty daunting. I'm going to use myself as an example because I don't know any of your circumstances. Um, I've never been bad looking. I've never really been good looking. I'm just looking. <laughs> but I used my, my, when I was younger, I got teased a lot for my height. Um, my hair started thin, thinning a little bit, and I could either do the weird horseshoe thing, or I could say, you know what, I got to own this, and I, I got to shave it. Okay. So before long, all of a sudden, I am a five foot six or seven. Like I said, I haven't measured myself in a while. I'm a five foot six or seven guy who's bald, who's average looking. If you don't think so, well, give me something here. That's all I'm saying. But I, but because of my challenges, challenges that I had earlier in my life, um, I developed a 
personality. I, 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 that was the only thing that I could do is say, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, develop a sense of humor. I'll try to educate myself and, and be a worldly man. Um, and I'll, I'll try to bring a lot to the table when it comes to that. Then later on in life, then I got into the gym a little bit more. I, I started improving my health. And, and that fluctuates. Like right now, uh, from being on the road for a few months, it is harder for me to work out. And it's 96 degrees out today. I'm not going for a jog. It's just not going to happen. So this old man will stroke out. Um, so that, but that fluctuates. There's times when I'm in really good shape and times when I'm not in such good shape. But I know my limitations and I know my value in the world. But it can be different based on on what women want. Young, younger women may look at me and they say, you know what? Good personality. He's solid. He's stable. He's reliable. He won't play games with my heart. Um, he's got his life together and I value that. Other women might look at me and they say, you know what? You're a short, bald dude, short, bald, old dude. And they may find no value in that. The women could be the same age. They could maybe even be around the, the same looks or the same sexual market value. Just each woman's different has a different priority. So when it comes to this stuff, this is why I say um, that, and, and let me correct that. But when it comes to all of this, if you lead your life and chase your own goals and your own passions and your, and your own desires, you'll never be disappointed at the outcome. I'm, and I'm in better shape than I was when I was 30. That's good. Is it, if it, is it good that women might like this? Yes, but if they don't, I don't care because I'm healthier. Do I look better with my shaved head than I did when I have hair? I like it better. I ride motorcycle. I take my helmet off. My hair's not all screwed up. Um, and it's, it's comfortable. It's easy to shave. I haven't seen a barber now in a decade. Um, do women appreciate that? Don't care. I appreciate it. So when you do all these things for yourself, the end result will be better for you when it comes to dating. But when you're doing it for yourself, if the result isn't better for you when you're out dating, you're not disappointed because you're still happier for yourself. You're still healthier and you still have better self-confidence and the end result is there. Furthermore, there's no goal line. Like when you're, when you're out there trying to date, what's the, what's the goal line for you? Is it to sleep with as many women as you can? Is it to find the prettiest, most successful, most cool girl that you could ever get and then marry her? We know what happens with that. Um, is it to, uh, I don't know, whatever your, your end goal might be. Well, it's different for men and women. For women, they want the best genetics for their kids and they want the best provider to marry. I'm pretty sure you don't want to be just looked at as the best provider that she could get after she got the genes from other guys or you don't want to be the provider while she goes out and, and sleeps with other men. And if you're the guy that, that she wants to go to just because she wants to sleep with you and she has no interest in the long-term relationship anyway, then there's no benefit for you to settle, settle with her because you have her and you have other options. And this is important that once you understand these dynamics, it's not a firm 80-20 rule. And, and a woman that finds you in the top 20%, another woman might find you in the bo bottom 5%. But by, by improving yourself in all categories... Not only should you do that for yourself, but it will give you other options when it comes to dating. Uh, let's see, where did I leave off? Um, this, of course, gets distorted once men become red pill aware and over-exaggerate the abstract concept of the alpha and how it applies to themselves. 
In a way, they fall victim to believing they must become an alpha parody in order to measure up to a woman's apex fallacy impression of a top 20% man. man. Needless to say, red pill awareness and applied game will reveal the truth about the 80-20 rule. Initially, it seems like a horribly unjust set of conditions for the average man, but the rule is still based on the fundamental biological and uh, psychological underpinnings of hypergamy and therefore open to exploits for a red pill aware man. They say here, uh, quality assurances. I, I don't need to boil down what he just talked about because, like I said, the 80-20 is flexible depending on what a woman wants. For a very rich guy, you might be top 10% for a lot of women, but bottom percent for a lot of women. Same thing if you're very good looking. You might be top 10% for some women, bottom percent for others. So they say here, uh, uh, quality assurances on the graph here, that you have sexual freedom without soci- uh, socially enforced long-term monogamous bonds between men and women. And what they show is they show the female ranking is 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, all the way down to 2 and 1. Now, the 1 and 2 women, it says, didn't reproduce. And then for the other women, 3 through 10, they show that they're going over to the male ranking of 7 through 10. And the bottom 50 to 60% of men didn't reproduce. And what they're saying here is that when there's complete sexual freedom and liberation, the way the marketplace works is based on women. And it's based on women's behaviors. So that when the bottom 20% of women don't reproduce or don't get men, and the top 70% of women or top 80% of women are getting to kind of either reproduce or hook up with the top 30 or 40% of men, and the bottom you know, 50 to 60% of men don't reproduce or don't get any women. In regulate, and then on the right side of the graph here, they say regulated sexuality. Case two, strict enforcement of lifelong monogamous bonds between men and women. They call it the perfect dad society. That's where a one gets a one, a two gets a two, a three gets a three, four gets a four, five gets a five. We know that this is not realistic. But we also know from society today is they're pushing a very open, sexually open marketplace. They do this by telling women, don't be shamed by wanting lots of partners. Don't be shamed by chasing after the bad boy, good-looking guys and doing what all men do anyway. Don't be shamed in uh, self-deleting a child that you've had uh, that you don't want. Don't be ashamed of showing yourself out in in the world and and, in skimpy bikinis and and showing off your body and just being desired for your body. Don't be shamed because spicy work and... and, uh, uh, Adult work is real work. Don't be shamed because of that. What does that do? That makes the market a much more sexually free marketplace. And thus, that's why the graph and and the 80-20 rule is working out the way it is today. Smart women, realistic women, women that see what's going on say, okay, yes, I'll get used a lot though by by a lot of men. The men that I want, they're going to use me. They're probably not going to select me. They're probably not going to want me. They're probably going to use me and dump me aside. And that, will, that loop will continue on until I get into my 30s, 35. And then I'm going to get start getting scared because either A, I'm a single mother. I got his genetics, but I don't have that reliable person to help me uh, uh, raise the child well. Or I'm going to have to work the rest of my life. And I'm not going to have a partner that will help me through tough times that will be there for me to rely upon. Um, or I, I haven't had a kid yet and I want one. And that is imperative. And uh, these guys are kind of losers. They're really good looking. I want to be with them, but they're losers. And that's not what I want for my kid. And so they fall back to 
plan two, which is the provider. And these are the guys we call blue pill because they, they're happy to be their provider and they think they're lucky, not realizing that these other guys that have been out there having fun and they're not being used for their resources, they're the real lucky guys. So all this is being pushed now. And men have caught on and men realized, I'm not playing this game anymore. I want to be the guy that's being used for the fun and the excitement, not the guy that's used for this other stuff. And so women are out there realizing, I see how this is affecting a lot of women. So what I'm going to do when I'm in my young 20s, when I'm still attractive, when everything's nice and firm and perky and I have the best chances of having a kid and I'm at my prettiest and, um, and I'm not, I haven't had any baggage or damage from a lot of men treating me poorly, I'm going to find a, a guy. I'm going to find the best guy that I reasonably think I can get. And he's going to be the best looking guy I think I can get. And he's going to be the kindest, sweetest man and the most intelligent. And, and he's got a good job. And he will be stable and he will provide for me. And that's who I'm going to go after. That's what the smart women right now are doing. And they're going and finding that guy. And they're dating him and they're being exclusive with him. And they'd like to marry him. And they'd like to have families with him. However... These other women that are behaving badly have ruined the market so much and have destroyed so much of the market that men are now not willing to settle down or be even with a good woman because they know a lot of times men are fooled into believing that it is a good woman only later on to be milked and used and dumped and, and they're now used for their resources. So women's worst enemy when it comes to the dating marketplace and marrying and having kids and finding a good guy, women's worst enemy isn't the top 20% of men. It is the other women that are opening this marketplace freedom and are behaving badly, giving women a bad name and scaring the good men out of the market. So when women say, there are no good men left, where have all the good guys gone? This is all women that are saying it. It is the women that played the market, slept with the bad boys, maybe got pregnant by them, maybe just had a high body count. And then when they go to settle down, no man wants them anymore. And that's their own fault. Let's be frank with this. It's their own fault. But they can't find the good men. And then women that are saying, you know what? I, am, I don't have a high body count. I have a very low body count. I only date with the desire to find the right guy. Then I give myself to him sexually. Then I love him. Then I will make him a part of my life. Then I will have children. Then I will get married. And I want that guy to be a team with me. Those women aren't able to find any men because when they say, I would like to get married and I would like to have a family, men are saying, no, the risk is too high. The courts cost me too much money. Child support is, is not enough. We men are blamed for everything. I'm not participating anymore. And those women are also getting penalized. Now, what about the men? Are the men getting penalized? Number one, the top men, they're not getting penalized. They're having a great time. They get to sleep with lots of women. They're desired. Um, they don't have to put out much effort. They can just be themselves. And women are tripping over themselves to get at these guys because so many women are coming to them. They have the choice. What about the bottom 80, 70, 60% of men? The ones that want to date, they can improve themselves or maybe the, the top 50% of men. They can improve themselves to where for some women they're in that top 20% of men. They win. That means that, again, they can go out. There's no shame in them sleeping with women and not getting married. There's no shame in them casually dating because it, that's the marketplace that women want right now. 
So men don't have to settle down to have access to this. So there's no shame in it anymore. And what about the bottom 40, 50% of men that don't, that, that say, you know what, either it's not worth the risk for me, it's not worth the chase for me, or I, I don't think I can improve myself to get into that select dating select pool. Are they losers? No, they're actually winners. Why? Because now they're not coerced into getting married and having children with a woman that might cheat on them, might leave them, might hurt, hurt them. And better yet, society isn't shaming bachelors anymore. I mean, they, they try, but that's mostly from women that want men's resources. Women aren't shaming people like me because it's not, it's not uh, adverse for someone to be single later in life. So as a bachelor, now I can chase my passions, my dreams. I can date if I so choose. I can date long-term if I so choose. I can fall in love if I so choose. And the only person that's going to shame me for not getting married and not having kids, it might be society, but it might also be that woman that wants that from me and I'm not willing to provide that anymore. But it's much more freedom for the bottom 50% of men because now they can say, I'm not expected to ugly or marry an ugly woman that won't appreciate me and that treats me poorly. Because we know, I mean, that's a trope. You can go back and look at some of the cartoons from the 1900s, early 1900s, and you see the wife with the curlers in her hair and the makeup on sitting there slapping a rolling pin into her hand because the, the husband's coming home late from having a couple beers with his friends. He doesn't have to go home to that. That expectation is okay. So he can, be, he can continue to be free and live his best life. No, he won't be able to get a girlfriend. No, he won't be able to, to necessarily sleep with women uh, like the other ones do. But because of the sexual freedom marketplace that women have put forward, he's now not shamed for saving some of his money and going hiring a professional. He's not shamed for joining a sugar site and, and meeting somebody there. And so now a man that, is, that has good resources and depending on how much money he has to spend, he can do full-time, he can do weekly, monthly, uh, once or twice a year. He can go out and hire a professional, someone that on these sugar sites is maybe a, a college girl. Everything is still, she's still young, she's still pretty, her body is still nice. Yes, she has a high partner count, but that's irrelevant if a man is just looking for physical satisfaction. And he can go out and do that, and he's not shamed anymore because of the marketplace that women have designed by saying that the spicy work, the adult work, is real work. And so now he kind of has a win because even a 40- or 50- or 60-year-old guy can go out there and date somebody casually in their 20s and get that bit of fun that he wants, and he doesn't have to risk his money and his resources and everything else. So really, who, who loses out of this marketplace? The women. All women lose, where in reality, if, if depending on how your mindset is, all men win. Now, the men that really do lose are the men that want to have a lifetime partner and the men that want to have a family. Those guys do lose. And, um, and, and I don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer for that. But the way, the way the risks are right now, it's a huge gamble and the payout may not happen, happen for you. They say in the uh, above example, a young patriarch, we can see the comparison between a naturalistic, hypergamous, sociosexual order contrasted with an idealized sociosexual uh, structure. The sexual freedom model mirrors the 80-20 rule while the regulated model is representative of an idealized structure designed with the intent to evenly justify pairings according to a distributive monogamy. 
As I mentioned earlier, men have instinctual understanding about how the 80-20 Pareto principle applies to women's hypergamy. And while game is a modern contingency for it, I would agree or I would argue that the cross-culture concept of a monogamous marriage between men and women was a broader contingency designed not to just counter women's Pareto-centered sexual strategy, but to ensure a greater majority of lesser uh, SMV men had the opportunity to pass on their genetic heritage. I could point out that the regulated model above is very representative of an egalitarian model for monogamy based, again, on the like-for-like presumption, but hypergamy being what it is naturally will always confound that ideal. However, I have to also point out that the regulated ideal has always been of convenient selling tool to keep both men and women ignorant of the uglier, visceral nature of the hypergamous sexual marketplace. So traditionally, traditionally women would... Uh, graduate high school Uh, they might go to college they might not Um, they would try to keep themselves slim and attractive and pretty and that they knew that's what they brought to the table and they brought being a good cook and they brought um, being a good mom and so a woman brought forth femininity she brought forth her looks her her slimness or uh, keeping her, her body nice but it wasn't over advertised it was still a bit of a mystery But she would wear clothing that would best um, entice men. And then she would be a good cook. She would be a good mom. She would be cultured. She would be classy. Men, on the other hand, again, were based on their looks as well. But it was also what were they going to provide for the long haul? Is he a doctor? Ooh, is he a lawyer? Ooh, is he, you know, a very successful businessman? And, And, of course, the height and the looks fell into it. But it was kind of a package deal. And this package and this package came together. And then over time, we knew her looks would fade. We knew that once she had children, that that would fade. However, she retained be, having the ability to be a good cook. She retained the ability to being a good mom. She retained the ability, uh, the ability of keeping a nice home or keeping a clean household. She retained the ability of being a good host at a dinner party. She retained everything but the body and in, in many cases, her, she was still able to hold on to her beauty because of makeup and, you know, and, and the facial creams and all this other stuff that women go through. So the, really the only thing that might kind of get damaged was maybe her body during childbirth. But we've seen that women can get back in shape. I mean, there's video, there are photos out there of women that have had two, three, four kids and they got banging bodies again. So a lot of, a, a lot of what a man found important, the partnering, the nurturing, her attractiveness, her body... She retained that. And for a man, he retained everything. Good dad, good provider, solid, wouldn't cheat, maybe, maybe a religious man, hard worker, intelligent. So everything that, that people brought to the beginning of the relationship stayed throughout the life of the relationship. And yes, you know, things, people age and things change, but the vast majority didn't change. However, now with the way that everything is lined up today. And that would equal, so a 10 would be with a 10, a 3 would be with a 3. And it was much more structured like they have up in the graph up here. But now with the marketplace today, it is young women say, I just want a hot guy. I just want to have sex with hot guys. I just want to sleep with hot guys. And this is not shamed. And I can get married later. And I can make my own money. And I don't have to cook. And I don't have to take care of a household. A man should be helping with that stuff anyway. And so their value decreased to the point where the only thing a young, pretty woman is bringing to the table is being young and pretty and having a nice body and her willingness to sleep with men. 
And so men that might have married that woman in one point of time say, all the values that I want, she doesn't bring except two, and those two will fade. And the guys that are enjoying these women say, I don't care about the long-term stuff anyway. I just care about her sexuality and her looks. The, the men are still expected, in most cases, to either bring forth the income, the, the potential, being a good provider, maybe being a good dad, bringing all this stuff to the table, only when the women's looks and bodies part has faded and they only bring the rest to the table. But they don't, there is no rest anymore. There is no keeping, uh, taking care of a nice home. There is no cooking, cooking. There is no cleaning. There is no being a good host at a dinner party. There is no more being a good mom. So everything that a woman could bring that would last throughout the, the course of a relationship is gone. The only thing they have to offer anymore in many cases is their looks and their youth and their beauty. And they're only giving that to the hot guys that want to treat them poorly. They've screwed up the market themselves. And again, men have caught on to this. They say in 2009, the proportion of American women who were married dropped below 50%. In other words, for the first time in American history, single women, including those who were never married, widowed, divorced, or separated, outnumbered married women. Perhaps even more strikingly, the number of adults younger than 34 who had never married was up to 46%, rising 12 percentage points in less than a decade. For women under 30, the likelihood of being married today has become astonishingly small. Today, only around 20% of Americans are wed by the age of 29, compared to the nearly 60% in 1960. And if you go back, I'm sure, to 1920s, 1910s, and before then, um, women were marrying 15, 16, 17 years old. In the, in the early 1900s, I have to assume this was probably 70 or 80% or even 90%. I don't know exactly. But the point is, again, both people, here's where I am at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Here's what I've got. Here's what you've got. We're going to mesh this together and we're going we're gonna to do it. And both, by bringing separate things to the table, both became kind of the yin and the yang. They, they brought something that was paramount to the relationship. Well, today, again, women are being single. And they can't cook, and they can't do this, and they can't do that, and they want men to share all the household goods. So now you have men that are basically kind of the same as women, because women are making money and earning everything. So what is the need to get married when the person that you're pairing up with isn't a counter, that they're kind of like you? There is no need anymore. So so the... the they must to pair up with somebody. Bachelors, you know, you, you, and if you were to picture a long time ago, bachelors were eating out of, you know, eating cans of, of beans and cooking hot dogs. There are men that are chefs now, very skilled, talented chefs. Now women were the cooks. Now there are women that you look and they're like chicken, chicken McNuggets and, and a Happy Meal is like their go-to meal. So there, there is no yin and yang anymore. It's just kind of become gray sludge where everybody can do everything. So there's no need to get married anymore because men don't gain anything, but they can only lose. See, and that's where, that's where women have created their own problems. In the order of monogamy, the mutually beneficial exchange centered on quality assurances, either via polygamy, sexual assurances, uh, or monogamy, provisional assurances. In a beta context, these assurances have been more or less compensated for by men's willing or unwillingness assistance via social and legislative means are no longer an incentive for women to marry or commit to a long-term monogamy. This is evidenced in almost a decade of statistics that shows this decline.
Right. There's no p- punishment for a woman to go out and just sleep around and get, get pregnant by any dude because she gets the resources from the government and maybe from those baby daddies. There's no punishment for that. However, for the men, there is still punishment. They must provide. They must keep giving. They must keep... And, and men are saying no. A wife for every beta. In Christian Dread, I made mention of Nick Krauser's appearance on the London Reel. For a bit more elaboration on this principle, cue the video to 5 and watch to, to, until about 8.33. The video on YouTube is unavailable, so I can't play that for you. And I have to trim my mustache, so if you see me scratching my face a lot, it's because it's tickling my nose. It says, A wife for every beta is the old, ordered, negotiated social contract function of committed monogamy. In a state of nature where 80% of men can never be assured of a genetic legacy, most men have no incentive to participate in an organized society. What the regulated model of sexuality does, albeit inefficiently, is give beta males the incentive to cooperate in larger society by establishing monogamy as a predominant social order. And then, as Krauser mentions, these societies tend to outperform those based on a hypergamous, naturalistic, social, sexual structure. As mentioned in this arrangement, was based on an exchange of long-term security for women for assurances of sexual access and ultimately a genetic legacy. Essentially, it was a negotiated compromise of the desire for the alpha aspect of hypergamy for the assurances of a long-term beta-providing aspect of hypergamy. By today's social sexual standard, the old order arrangement is supplanted with the relatively assured guarantee of satisfying both aspects of hypergamy at different phases of a woman's maturity in life. Thus, we see the epiphany phase, alpha widowhood, and every variety of uh, schema outlined in the uh, Schema I outline in preventative men- measurement, uh, preventative medicine. Okay, so what do they mean by this? Okay, what it was is uh, women who couldn't get top men, women would be with a guy that she could get. Kind of uh, people married on their same level. But for a man to get the best woman he could get, it meant he would get the, the highest earning degree. He'd become an engineer. He'd become a doctor. He'd become a lawyer. Because that would... would benefit him by getting a better mate selection. He would get a better woman because his income and his resources were valued as a father and as a partner and as a husband. The woman would have a better life, a bigger home, a fancier car. She'd be seen as higher status in the the, uh, town that they lived in or in the city that they lived with. So for a man to perform very well and make a lot of money and buy a lot of things and have the highest degree he could was good for society as a whole because he he pushed himself very hard. Well, now, a lot of that doesn't matter anymore. That if you're kind of an unattractive guy or you're average at best, if you are very successful and you do make a lot of money, you don't have the same access to the, the bedroom that the good-looking guys do. So you say, you know what, I'm not going to put myself in school debt. I'm not going to bust my ass for somebody else or for society. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And we know this is true because I say the same thing about being happy. So, so men have learned, and, and because of this, society as a whole, uh, it, looking for men that are producers and looking for, that, uh, for men that put into society, society as a whole loses because these men are saying, I'm not jumping through these hoops anymore. I'm not going to perform because it's really, it's really not what I want to do, and it's not going to get me a woman anyway. I'm going to do what's right for me, and I'm going to do what makes me happiness. And so, again, for a whole, society was better off the way things used to be because now men are not participating. And what are women doing? Women oftentimes are participating 
and they're making good money and I can do me and I can, I can, uh, I can produce for myself, but they're, they're not all in like men were. Because what happens is women get older, they want to have a family, they want to have children, they, maybe they want to be a stay-at-home mom. And so they need the man to provide so they don't have to provide for themselves and they can pull back out of the market. So what happens? She's not driven, career-driven, like you know, 30, 40 years career-driven like men are. She's 10 or 15 years career-driven until she decides she wants to settle down and not work for herself anymore. And then she pulls out of the market. So as a whole, the productivity of, of everyone falls. And this is why a lot of women are coming out and saying, well, men are just the Peter Pan syndrome. They're not growing up. They want to make enough money to have a small apartment and just play Xbox all day and hang out with their friends and have some cold beers. And, but they have a crappy car and they don't want to buy a house and they don't want to better themselves. Well, why should they when it's not going to get them anywhere for women and it just makes them work harder for maybe things they don't want? Um, as mentioned in this arrangement, I already talked about that. The new post-sexual, I talked about that. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, let me read the, the last paragraph he's got here. Uh, in the new era of open hypergamy, women's only nece- nece- necessitated compromise of her sexual strategy depends on her a- uh, exaggerated self-impression of her sexual market value, measured against her capacity to lock down an optional male. This also explains the endless push to create self-confident, self-important, independent women. Women's naturalistic predilection for the 80-20 Pareto principle of sexual selection virtually assures their long-term isolation. Thus, the need for a self-created impression of women's self-sufficiency. And I I think that's kind of self-evident to all this. Again, women's, them doing this and opening the marketplace is their, ultimately, their own worst, their own worst enemy. They're going to lose out because the, the really good providing males are, are, will find somebody. And, and maybe they find the right ones. Or they're going to opt out and they're going to say, you know what, I'm so successful. I can buy women if I want them. I can buy time with them. Um, I will find a woman that that's their value. I'll hang out with them. But I'm not going to get married to lose my resources. And the women that, that are into the good-looking alpha dudes, they're just going to get used and tossed aside. Ultimately, it's a lose-lose for many, many, many women, where for the men, they're going to win because they don't have to provide. They have access to the bedroom with women. They can now purchase women for short periods of time. Like, it's, it's a win-win-win for guys. That's why I still today profess that I should be doing a channel on why feminism is awesome, because it's the best thing that's ever happened to men in the hookup culture and just being casual. But what is the fallout from this? What is the fallout from this? I'm going to read you some examples of this, uh, and and that way I'll do this for the next 10 or 15 minutes so both videos are about the same length. Uh, It says here, this is from a girl on uh, Tinder. Tinder, I always got those two mixed up. Twitter, Twitter. She says, four years ago, and she looks, I mean, she looks pretty. She looks youngish. Four years ago, I had the best boyfriend ever that did anything to make me happy. My mama loved him everything. He bought me the cutest puppy and I left him for an effing cheating a narcotics dealer with four kids. She says nursery retrograde really be effing s up. So what did she do? She had a guy that was a sweet, caring, loving, giving man and she dumped him and she went with a dude that sold narcotics that had four kids. Now let's just pause right there. What's that message say to the man that was a good man? It's, I did everything that I was supposed to do that I've told, been told by society that women want. I was a good man. I was a provider. I treated her well. I loved her. 
and she left me for a dude that sells narcotics and has four kids. I'm out. F it. I'm out. I'm done. I'm out. And now that man's probably over here watching my channel saying, that was me, dude. That was me. Never again. Never again. Because if they had been married and maybe she had a kid or two with him, she could have done the same thing, but he'd be paying child support and he'd be viewed as the bad guy and he'd be the one with his heart broken and he'd be the one paying alimony. So he's, he's out of the market, ladies. You lost a good one. Now, the guy that she left Mr. Good Guy with, the guy that had four kids, he won. He's already got four kids. He's a player. He's not even a, a positive member of society by, by uh, dealing in illicit substances. But he won. He took her from the good guy. Who does this motivate, the bad guys or the good guys? Now, a guy responds to this. What do you think made you leave dude for that guy? This was her answer. Now, remember, this guy provided for her. Mama loved him. He bought her a puppy. He, he, he loved this woman. This is what she left him for. The way he carried himself, and he had a huge trouser snake. He had a huge D. I never had one that big. Do you think men are going to want to participate in dating anymore? Do you think men are going to want to jump through hoops to try to earn and try to provide and try to be a good man for a woman like this? And you can say, not all women are like this. No, not all women are. But, in, but because of the positivity of this movement that's out there, women are more explicit about this stuff. Women are bragging about their partner counts. Women are talking about how they don't need men and F men and I hate men. So, of course, men are just going to say, you know what? Maybe that's only 30, 40% of the women out there. Maybe that's 70% of the... I don't know what percentage of women out there are like this, but I'm not taking that gamble anymore. If you have a jar of 100 M&Ms... Now, maybe M&Ms isn't the, the, the right uh, analogy here, but it's one that I like. If you have a jar of 100 M&Ms, and if you get the right one, you get to have a family, and you're married, and you have kids, and life is great. But if you choose the wrong M&M, you're going to have to pay child support and she's going to take half your money and she's going to tell her all, your, all her friends how evil and poisonous and awful a person you are and maybe she makes a fake claim against you and you lose your career or end up in prison for something that you didn't do. If that M&M is one M&M in a hundred, are you going to take that risk? A lot of men would say yes. I really, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a gambling man. I'm going to go for it. But now today when it's 40% of the M&Ms, 50% of the M&Ms, 60%, or maybe the real number is only 15% of the M&Ms, but the perception is that it's 50% of the M&Ms, can you blame men for saying, I'm just not going to have an m and I'm good, thank you. I'm on a diet. That's what's happening. I'm going to read down through this very quickly. But it, it, and I may have even touched on, the, I think I touched on this article before, but it, again, this stuff relates. This stuff relates. My opinion, most men aren't husband material. Most men. What she's saying is she's looking at the top 20% of men, and she's saying most of those aren't husband material. She's not even looking at the bottom 80% of men. Uh, this is written by Oceana, sorry, Tepfen Hart. Oceana Tepfenhart. My bad. Most women I know do actually want a husband or boyfriend, but finding that is easier said than done. After all, it's hard to have a great relationship when the vast majority of men aren't worth a damn. 
If you're about to scoff this off, consider the writing on the wall. Okay, now, as I read this to you, ask yourself, is this all men or is this only the 20% of men and the rest that she thinks all men and the rest of the men she's not even seen? Number one, the fact that having a side chick is so widespread is a major problem. Does that sound like the top 10 or 20% of men that have side chicks or all men, fellas? We know it's only the top men because they have all the choices. We don't have side chicks. We don't have, well, I do. I got 17. No, we, we don't have side chicks. We don't have a line of women waiting for us. Many of you are like, I can't even get one woman to say yes to a date or swipe and match on a dating app. How are these dudes, how are these dudes having multiple chicks? Or how do these women think these guys have multiple chicks? Why? Because they're only looking at those top men that have all the choices. I'm not going to read the things. I'm just reading the topics. Guys have gotten increasingly demanding with looks. Is that the average guy that's increasingly demanding? Or is it the top 20% of men that have lots of women to choose from so they're getting demanding on looks because they have so many women to choose from that they're only choosing the best of the best of all their choices? Again, this isn't the vast majority of men. It's only the top 20% of men that are getting more decreasing or demanding in looks because they can because they have all the choices. Number four, and I'm jumping number three because it's an ad. Four, statistically, women are more likely to be employed than men. That's our fault. That's our fault. Women, you are pushing for all this equality, and we need to earn the same, and we need to be just as much in the marketplace as you are. Okay, you are now, but you still want to date up. There are fewer men that make more. So 50% of women make as much as 50% of men. The average income is the same. That means women want, again, only the top 50% of men because they earn so much. And there's another article I read here a few months back ago that women want a man to make an average of 52% more than they do. So if she makes 100 grand, she wants him to make 152,000. That's women looking at the top 20% or less, 10% or 5%. So they take the jobs from the men and then they they bitch at the men because they don't have the earning income potential to, to woo them and spend money on them. Rudeness is at an unprecedented level. Yes, when you're a top 20% a guy and there's a ton of women thirsting for you, you can be rude to them. You can blow them off because you don't, you've got many more to choose from. You don't have to be nice anymore. But if you're a 80% or lower man who doesn't get many options, what do women say about you? He's a nice guy. He's too nice. He's boring. He's try hard. Again, again, they're only looking at the top 20% of men. Our generation is plagued with the way that we're always looking to trade up. So she's unhappy that that uh, guys are always looking to trade up. Only the top guys are have the ability to trade up. They're the ones with all the women coming to them, and they're trading. The bottom men are invisible. They don't even, even have a chance for a shot, let alone a, a shot at trading in what they already have for something else. But she's only looking at the top 20% of men. And I say 20%. It might be 5 or 30. I don't know. But she's only looking at the top men who have multiple options. And those guys, yeah, they're trading in older versions for new versions or versions that, that are more suitable to their desires. Too many men out there have a major Peter Pan complex. This is what I was just talking about. Too many men want to stay man-child and bo- boys and not grow up and not take responsibility and not be providers. Why? Don't need to. The top 20% of men, they can be, they'll, they're probably earners, but they're not going to spend it on you. 
and they're not going to take you to fancy exotic vacations and they're not going to take you on beautiful trips and buy you flowers. Why? They don't need to. They don't need to. And if you don't like it, you can leave because I got four more girls over here in the wings that I'm going to smash this upcoming week. So if you don't like it, step off. That's what, that's what the top men can do. Not all men can do that. Other men will jump through hoops and take her on vacations and treat her lavishly and, and, and be really kind to her. And what happens to those guys? Right back here again. He treated me the best. My mama loved him. He bought me a puppy. He was awesome. Left him for a guy with a huge D. That, and he carried himself well. So men are like, I, I'm not jumping through hoops anymore. I've done it. I've, I've been burnt by it. Never again. So yes, women, you're just going to get Peter Pan. Look at me. I'm a perfect example. Former network engineer. I had a beautiful home. I, I had a Corvette. It was a 12-year-old Corvette, so it wasn't new. But it was beautiful. I took really good care of it. I bought it used. Uh, I had a Corvette. I had motorcycles. I had a nice house. I had a great job as a network engineer. And I said, you know what? Why? Why am I doing all this? Like, I'm not doing it. I mean, I did do it for me, but I realized it wasn't making me happy. What makes me happy? Being mobile being a minimalist. I don't have a TV anymore. I watch everything on a laptop. You know, all my stuff can fit in a pickup truck and I tow around a little camper. Am I still a producer? No. Am I paying into the system anymore like I used to? No. I I hold on to things till they break and then I have to ask myself, do I want to buy another one or is this good enough for now? Or am am I okay without it? I'm no longer producing for society. I am one of the Peter Pans. I flitter around the country in a camper. I'm not a producer. I don't take women out to fancy things. I don't do all this stuff anymore. Because I don't need to. And if I, if I want to get a girl, I, can, I could go out and rent one. I could go out and maybe... Uh, I could actually work at it and date one. This is what more men are doing. But the top 20 percenters are not dishing out lav- extravagant vacations and buying flowers and everything like that because they can go pick another girl. The nice guy complex is strong with way too many guys out there. Right. So all the a-holes are the top 20%, and the other 80%, they're nice guys. They're try-hard. What does she say about this? They're so nice until you say no. Then they shriek in anger. They call you a friend-zoning B, and they can't get why, why you won't give nice guy, guys like them a chance. Next. Guys, a lot of men are really hurt about this and really upset and angry. So when they do get a shot... They go overboard and they try too hard and they chase too much because they're not given many opportunities. So when they get that shot, they want to get it right and they want to do it perfect and they try too hard. And then when when a woman says no to them, then they freak out. Or, again, these are the bottom 80%. They ask her out and maybe she's led them along by friend zoning them because they even call her a friend zoning B. So she must have been friends with him for a while. Maybe she put a couple of clues out there that, that kept them around. And maybe they misread her. Maybe she didn't want to date them. But they misread it. And then, well, these are, these are the other men that aren't in those top 20%. Because a dude that's in the top 20% wouldn't call her. Number one, he wouldn't just accept a friend zone. He'd move on. And number two, he wouldn't be hanging out with her. He'd be like spending time with women he's actually sleeping with and having fun with. Number nine, they're insecure. For all the stuff so many men demand, millennial men tend to be exceptionally insecure. This just tends to open up an entire can of worms, ranging from shaming women to passive-aggressive behavior. Do women need this in their lives? Absolutely not. Who's she talking about here? The bottom 80% of men. Some straight up just lose interest in a relationship. That's top 20% of men. They have no interest in having a relationship with you. They'll date you for a few months, they'll use you, and they move on. Why? 
because they can. They have all the choices. Men are way too entitled. That's a top 20 percenter. We have to dodge guys who feel entitled to the bedroom. We have to deal with men who think they deserve a supermodel when they have faces that look like feet. With the winners in the current dating pool who can blame girls for staying single. Uh, you know what? The guys that have faces that look like feet and maybe they have a dad bod, they may be rich beyond all comprehension. So they're getting attention from women that value money and power and status. So for those women, they're in the top 20%. But maybe for a woman that wants a nice body and a good looking man, he's not in the top 20%. So for this woman, he's not a top 20%er. For other women, he is a top 20%er. And so he doesn't have to put up with her crap because he has many other choices. You see how it's, it's flexible in all this stuff. Um, two last clicks here. Polyamorous relationships may be the future of love. Um, this is an article in the BBC. And why are they saying this may be the, the way of love? Because the very few top 20% of men share women. And those women would rather share a winner than be with a loser. And that's why they're pushing this. Because again, it's sexual liberation, sexual freedom, women... Women want everything, but they can't get it in just one guy. So they want a beta provider and they want an alpha guy that they can sleep with and maybe have the kids with because they can't find it all in one man because they think they deserve all of that and all one man. Now, there, I do know men that have multiple girlfriends. I knew one of the guys that I used to work with at the network engineering that I had. He was not a good looking guy. He was kind of a decisively average guy. Um, I would say even his looks might have been slightly below average. The girls that he was dating, two of them, lived with him. They were below average looking women. Their bodies were better than their faces. I'll say it that way. They didn't do anything for me. But I could see why maybe someone like him, who just to pull a number out of the air, he was probably a four. They were probably fours. If you included their bodies, maybe a five. Again, just generally speaking. Um, but he had two girlfriends. Now, why was he able to do this as a kind of, you know, not top 20 percenter? He was a network engineer. He made a six-figure salary. He had purchased a home. It was a three-bed, two-bath, or three-bed, two-and-a-half bath, because I visited his house. He used to dog sit for me when I'd go on vacation. I used to leave my dog Walker with him. And uh, I'd drop off my dog. Each girl had her own bedroom, and he had his bedroom. Each uh, The two girls shared a ba- uh, bathroom. He had his own bathroom. They didn't pay rent. He had purchased the home. He was paying all the bills. So it was his home. He paid all the bills. The girls got to live there for free. What did he get out of it? He got to sleep with whoever, whatever girl he wanted to, whichever one he invited into the bedroom, and they were willing to do it because they got a free place to live. So are there women out there that get multiple guys. Yeah, that's quite common. We know that. And there are men that'll get multiple women, but we know which way this goes. We know it's women choosing multiple men and trying to make it okay. I did a story on one woman that had four boyfriends that all lived with her and all slept with her, depending on which one she chose to be in bed with her. And they weren't sure which one was the, the baby's daddy. They, they were kind of able to figure it out based on who she was with that night, which means none of them used protection. All of them were willing to share a woman. These were loser guys, and she was a loser woman, but just to have access to it. So this is, this is what women are trying to do. And they're trying to say, well, I want to sleep with a really good-looking guy, but I want you to provide for me. And, and the BBC is pushing this stuff. Last one. Why is poly and why is it gaining in popularity? Again, women want it all. all open relationships. 
uh, monogamish, they call it, uh, relationship anarchy. They're pushing it. And, and they, now, and, and here's what I wanted to read out of this article, and then, and then we'll wrap it up. Why are we seeing a rise in interest and practice of ethical non-monogamous relationships? Why are, we, why are they pushing this? Number one, many millennials grew up in broken homes or homes with parents in a loveless marriage. Broken homes, we know this. Single mothers, way on the rise. More than 50% of women are single mothers. Millennials are leaving organized religion. No religion. So the new religion is social media and being popular. There's an increase in use of dating apps, right? All the choices in the world, you see a million choices out there, you think you deserve the best. There's been an increase in poly representation in the media. Oh, you mean like the story I just read from the BBC? And uh, that's all they have for there. So I'm, uh, here's the thing, guys. If you want to be a top 20 percenter, work your hardest because a woman may want a guy with an amazing body. You can work on that. A guy may want, a woman may want a handsome face. Maybe you already have that, but you're not an earner. A woman at some point in her life will get, want a guy that's maybe providing. Or she likes a father figure, a mentor, someone that's intelligent, someone that's secure, someone that, that's got a pillar of foundation. Maybe she came with a very uh, turbulent past and she didn't have a good role model. And maybe she looked at you as a good role model. And maybe you can be that for her. Does that mean she has daddy issues? Yes. But it doesn't mean you can't date her. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy time with her. It just means you don't settle down with her and you don't date long term because you can't fix her. You can never fix her. But you might date her. You might have access to some of the things in a relationship you want. And if you can't be in the top, I don't know, whatever percentage, and there's no way you're going to get there, be okay with it. Be okay with it and realize, you know what, if I want to spend time with a woman, it's probably going to cost me money. Um, I'm probably going to specifically have to pay for anything fun in the bedroom. But also know, because it's not shamed, that there are many young women out there that are willing to put themselves out there and they're willing to make that exchange for money because they're in a financially bad place, that maybe they are a single mom, maybe they didn't finish college, maybe they've got $150,000 of student debt for a gender studies degree. And they're willing to make that sacrifice because, again, they don't value sex as a, a valuable thing. That they're like, oh, body count is a body count. I'm not ashamed of it. It is what it is. Well, then they have no problems marking another one on the body count list to share it with you. Just in exchange for some cash. It's a good time for guys right now. It really is. I think it's a great time for guys. I think it's a horrible time for women. And I feel bad for women. Because they're the ones that are perpetuating it. They're the ones that have made the market the way it is. It's a good time to be, it's good to be the king. Said it before. Say it again. Guys, if you haven't joined me, join me over on betterbachelor.locals.com. I'm going to be doing live streams of movies uh, where we watch a movie and we kind of roast it uh, a la uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, when I post videos over there, I'm going to be doing live chats with you guys so we can type and, and discuss when the video is being posted up. Not for all videos, but for a lot of them. I'm going to be putting up news content. I'm going to be putting up content that is uncensored. I'm going to be doing, I might even live stream some, some video games where I'm just playing a, a, a game and have fun with you guys. I might see if we can maybe get a Discord going if, if uh, we go that direction. Guys, uh, Locals is where it's at, man. I have fun over there. I don't have fun here on YouTube anymore. They've just locked everything down too much, and, and it's giving me a headache, and I, and I don't like it. 
I'll still put stuff out for you guys because much love to you, but I've, I've less than one half of 1% of you from here on YouTube. Support me over on, on Locals.com. So please come over, support me, and that way I can live without, without YouTube because, you know, YouTube. Guys, I'll leave it there. This is Better Bachelor. I'm Joker. Remember, the market is what it is. Women have created it this way. They're going to be the ones punished by it. Just do your thing. Find your way to work around it. You'll manage it. You'll be all right. You'll be good on your own. Keep yourself healthy. Keep yourself mentally aware. Know the game. Don't get involved in any long-term relationships uh, where you cohabitate or where you get married and you can be held responsible for any part of the relationship in the court. You know the game, so just play it because they're the ones that set the rules. (laughs) 